Ladies and gentlemen, did you know, and, and I know this is, kind of, this is kind of rhetorical, okay, that this book wasn't just written by chance. It's, it's called our owner's manual. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna we're gonna be in Luke, and then we're gonna be in Deuteronomy. Uh, a lot of scripture, a lot of things to talk about. What Lucinda just espoused this morning, and in in our hearts and our lives, we have to understand that there's a battle going on. Now, I know you might sit back and say, well, how do you, I mean, you go from serving, you go from that, and now you're talking about a battle. As we get into this morning's message, I, I, I want to help us to understand. We're going to talk about this for the next couple of weeks. But I'm not going to just talk about the what, the where, the how. I'm going to talk about the why. Why should I want to serve? You have it in your notes. It's in front of you. And I have a lot of scripture. Matter of fact, I, I, could, I could just repeat scripture after scripture after scripture about service and what it literally means. But as we get into this this morning, I want to pray. Because I want God to open the eyes of our understanding. Because this is one of the greatest struggles the church of Jesus Christ has. The, I, I don't care if it's... It's, if it's in the worship, if it's in the, the custodial, if it's in the hospitality, if it's in the ushers, if it's in the, the nursery, if it's in the children's ministry, in the adult ministries, whether it's men's or women's, this is, this is if not the, this is one of the greatest struggles in the church. And there is a reason. It is called a war. It is called a battle. So I want us to pray. And I don't want you to just listen to me pray. I want, once again, like the words we sang earlier of the Disciples' Creed, I want us to take a moment and I want us to ask God personally to open my eyes that I might see. That I might see. Don't say open my eyes that Bill can see. That Heather can see. Open the eyes that Dylan can see. No, that I can see. Father, this morning, I thank you. I thank you that you opened the eyes of our understanding that we could see. God, that we could see what church, being the church, is really all about. And God, not that the enemy could take and twist it around this morning but that we could understand with hearts of compassion and commitment what it means to be the church. What it is to reach the lost, to reach this dying world. What it means, what it is. And Lord, show us why we should understand, acknowledge, and accept the fact that we should want to serve in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. it seems one area in the church that is always lacking is the area of service. 
men and women joining in the ranks of building people's lives, listen to this, from behind the scenes. It seems, even though it's a struggle in itself, it seems that many would rather be in the limelight, if you will, out front, rather than in the dim light, which is out back, in the seeming drudgery called ministry. But I want to this morning to take a look just for a few moments at the place we are, could be, but listen to this, but should be, as we begin to understand this privilege of service in the Lord's house and the opportunity you and I share in building his kingdom. You see, God does not call us to build the church. That's his job. See, that's where the biggest part of spiritual warfare goes on is in building the church. And you know what Jesus said? He said, if I build my house, the gates of hell will not prevail. So God said, I'm pretty good at building my house. How many think God's pretty good at it? Okay. And so God's going to build his house. Our job is to build the kingdom, which is literally building people's lives. That was something that God helped me as a very young pastor to understand because I thought, my God, if the church isn't growing, you know, God, you know, I'm doing something wrong. Or if the church is doing, growing, well, I'm doing something right. And God said, I ain't got nothing to do with you. It's my house. I'm building it. Okay. And something God taught me. He said, I bring them in and I take them out. See, we like to say, well, the devil did it. No. God brings them in. God takes them out. Well, why would God remove somebody? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about it a little bit this morning. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about it. Why does God remove somebody from a church? So I want to look at this this morning. Luke chapter 4, I want to go back to the initial struggle. And then I'm going to take you back to the very beginning of how the struggle got its legs. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 8, look at this. Then the devil took Jesus up and revealed him to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Okay, stop for just a second. Who's doing the leading here? The devil is. And what's he showing him? Something that Jesus already knows. Ladies and gentlemen, did you know and, and I know this is, kind of, this is kind of rhetorical, okay, that this book wasn't just written by chance. It's, it's called our owner's manual for practical application. And so when this passage is here, it's talking about the trial in the wilderness, the struggle in the wilderness, whatever terminology you want to, know, want to use, the Bible says Jesus has just been baptized, and then immediately God's Spirit took him into the wilderness. For what reason? To be tested. That kind of does away with that whole concept that once you get saved, everything's smooth, fine and dandy. Immediately God led him to the wilderness. For what purpose? To be tested. The devil took Jesus up and revealed all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And now look what the devil said. Look what the devil says. For, for all of those that would like to believe the devil has no authority, no power, okay, no dominion, no anything. Look what the devil says. I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them because they are mine and I can do with them as I please. Who's he talking to? Did Jesus refute it? Jesus never said, devil, that's not yours. How did he obtain ownership in the Garden of Eden? When Adam and Eve sinned, they hung over, handed over dominion to the enemy. And the enemy still has that dominion today. What we have is the power of death and the grave. That's the keys that Jesus gives us back. But he, uh, the devil is still the god of this world. So look at this, ladies and gentlemen. I can give it to anyone I please. 
And I want you to underline this next phrase because this is the struggle. I will give it to you if you will worship me. Another word for worship is serve. If you do what I say. If you lead as I say to lead. He said, I will give it to you if you will worship me. And of course, Jesus didn't refute any of it. But what did he respond? He responded in scripture that you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. He breaks down the word worship and serve. Synonymous yet separate. He said, devil, I understand that this belongs to you. But I'm not going to bow down and worship you because it is written. Say that with me. It is written. God's word always trumps world authority. Can you say amen? Okay, so let's get into this. Service in the church has always been a struggle. Okay, and I start out by saying this, ladies and gentlemen, because I want us to understand something. I do not desire to have anybody in the congregation feel condemned about what I'm about to preach about serving. But the rather, I appeal that all of us will begin to understand the privilege that's attached to service in God's kingdom. So I want to ask this question. Why does this lack of servitude seem to be? Why is this a dilemma in every church, in every city, in every nation of the world? This is not an American thing. Every country of the world has a struggle getting people to serve, to be active in the participation of the church. And as I I go through this and I study this, I come to understand that this struggle seems to have begun in the wilderness where he is battling with Jesus, listen to this, over over whom to serve. Let's go back to Luke 4. The devil says, I'll give it to you, all of it, if you'll just worship or serve me. But Jesus responded, And I'm going to break this down. I go back into the original language. I'm going to break this down to what Jesus is actually saying. He responded to the devil by saying these words, you must worship. That word worship connotates complete surrender. You must worship the Lord your God and serve. That word serve, when you go into the original Greek, connotates the giving of the gifts and or your all only to him. So let me read it as it says in the original language. You must completely surrender to God. Who's he talking to? The devil. Who's he talking to? Everybody that is under the devil's service. And that is all those that don't know Christ, but it's also those that don't do what God's word says. Oh, you mean I belong to the devil? Not at all. But it is the devil hindering God's word because he gets us to believe something that God said not to believe. He said you must completely surrender to the Lord your God and yield all the gifts your entire life to him. So let me take you back to the screen. Understand, serving is part of worship. And worship is all about serving. We think worship, well, that's when Heather comes up here and Bill comes up here and the worship team comes. Well, that's worship. Ah, praise the Lord, hallelujah. No. That's not what it entails. (laughs) I was not trying to mimic Heather. Okay, I was not. She sounded much better than that this morning. How many think she sounded much better than that? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. 
serving is part of worship, and worship is all about serving. As a matter of fact, according to Scripture, you cannot have one without the other. Why? Because service, serving, worship is all about who controls our life. God or us. And so to understand the dilemma, what I've got to do is take us all the way back for the battle initiated. Satan has been since the beginning of time trying to undermine the plan of God. So what was the plan? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's go in there. Okay. I've got a lot of scripture and a long way to go, a short time to get what there is, as one man famously said. Look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land that he swore to give to you as a vow that he made to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I want you to get your pencil out because I want you to underline some things. Okay? It is a large, prosperous city. Underline these next words. That you did not build. In your notes, underline these words. It is a large, prosperous city. That you did not build. Now look at what God is starting this thing. Okay, he said, I'm preparing to keep my vow. Folks, this is good stuff. If you get this, okay. It's a large prosperous city that you did not build, or cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods. Underline this, that you did not produce. You will draw from wells that you did not dig. Do you see a common theme here? And you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. You know what God says? He says, I'm going to make you a vow that I'm going to take care of everything. I'm going to take care of, it's not what you, it's not what, what, what you built It's not what you produced. It's not what you dig. It's not what you plant. All of that's important. All of that's critical. But he said, I want you to understand something. My vow is I want to take care of every aspect of your life. And then look what he says here. When you have eaten your fill in this land, underline this next phrase, be careful not to forget the Lord. Look at me quickly. You know what happens when things are rough? Man, we'll jump in and we'll give everything. But when things smooth out, we jump out and stop everything. You know how many people go to church when things are struggling? But just as soon as things get smoothed out, they stop going. Oh, God, I'll serve you. God, I'll worship you. Just fix this thing. And God fixes it. Where do they go? I'm always amazed when people get blessed with houses and lands and and jobs and and all these different things. All of a sudden, what they were praying for, believing for, standing for, trusting for, they're not giving glory for. They leave the very one that gave it to them. Are you with me this morning? Am I making sense? He said, be careful Not to forget the Lord your God who rescued you from the slavery, rescued you from the struggles, rescued you from the difficulties, rescued you from the problems that you were having out of the land of Egypt. And look what he says here. You must fear the Lord your God and serve him. When you take the oath, you must Only use his name. God said, I'm going to take care and give you things that you didn't build, you didn't produce, you didn't dig, you didn't plant, but you got to remember where it came from and then return to me. Don't forget me. Fear me and serve me. See, God is telling us, I'm going to give you everything. When you enter into the land of Cana, 
And then he says, yes, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be a fight. But if you'll seek me first, I just finished a whole series at the beginning of this year. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. Say that with me. All these other things I'll take care of. And how many think God would be pretty good at doing that? Listen to how the passage ends. Listen to how the passage ends. He said, I want to give you things you didn't produce. I want to give you things you didn't build. I want to give you things you didn't dig for. I want to give you things that you didn't plant. But look, what, look at how it ends. He said, you must fear the Lord your God and serve him. But then as now, listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Satan is trying to limit the worship and serving relationship by making it all about us and not all about him. What do I mean? By making it all about our abilities or our inabilities or our time or our, our, uh, our, uh, uh, what we can afford, what we can't afford. And in doing this, what is Satan's work? What is the ultimate goal? To limit the plan of God, which is the church. He called every one of us to grow people, not just the pastors. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, okay? You see, you see, folks, this morning, God is telling us it's a struggle to do what I want you to do, what God wants you to do in the church. It's a struggle. If I was to go through here and, and ask, you know, how many here would love to serve the Lord? There's not a hand that wouldn't go up. Well, what can we do? Immediately we start naming the excuses and the reasons we can't instead of the things we can't. Am I making sense? Now, folks, I understand time. I understand money. I understand abilities. I understand capabilities. I understand all these things. Why? Because the enemy works at me as he does with you to tell me all the reasons that I'm not qualified. Well, I want to read something out of that D.L. Moody said, and you'll find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 through 29. D.L. Moody said, there's, there's certain qualifications we must have if we're going to be used of God. But these qualifications do not include, listen to this, learning. Do not include genius. You say, well, that's good. That leaves me out. <laughs> it doesn't include riches. It doesn't include executive ability or any of the similar assets and aspects that, that many of us wouldn't have anyway. I speak for myself. Don't take it personal. Paul gave these qualifications and he listed them and they're outlined in the scripture. Once again, you can find them, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. Paul basically gave five qualifications to service in building God's kingdom. He said, I'm going to use the weak things. I'm going to use the foolish things. I'm going to use the base things. I'm going to use the despised things. I'm going to use the things that everybody think are nothing. How many think those qualifications we can fit into pretty easy? God said, this is what I'm going to use to build my people. And when you and I are ready to lay down our own strength and our own weaknesses before the Lord, that is when he says, you're right where I can use you. The fact that we should serve God is obvious in Scripture. It is plain. It's not something I have to dig in. Lucinda, I could have just gave her the microphone and let her preach the service this morning. From Genesis to Revelation, it is plain. It is right there that God expects us to serve. But why? we should serve or want to serve 
is the more difficult question. You see, I could go through the church and I could ask 10 different Christians why they serve God. And you know what? I'll probably get 10 different reasons motivated by 10 different rationales. However, the Bible does make it clear. And I want you to hear this, please. I want you to hear it. I asked you to pray, God, open the eyes of my understanding. Listen to this. The Bible makes it clear that when a person is in a real relationship with God, he will serve God. When he or she is in a real relationship, folks, I'm not talking about heaven and hell. I'm talking about that intimate relationship. My wife and I have an intimate relationship. There's nothing I would not do for her. I asked her to be my wife. And at an altar, we prayed prayers, exchanged vows. Can I put it very simply? Honey, I'm going to serve you the rest of your life. And she said the same thing. I'm going to serve you the rest of your life. Which is what the Bible tells us. That's what the Bible intimates that you and I are supposed to do. We're supposed to serve each other. Can somebody say amen? We should want to serve God simply because we know him. And an inherent part of knowing him is the desire to serve him. So quickly, let me get into number two. But this is the enemy's strategy to undermine the church's purpose in God's kingdom. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse eight. I want you, 18, I want you to put a little asterisk by there, okay? Because most people look at the, well, that's the pastor's job. It's the, it's the evangelist's job. It's the deacon's job. It's, the, it's this person's job. It's that person's job. Let me take you to 2 Corinthians 5.18. Look what it says here. He's given us. Who's us? Christians. The task of reconciling people. That word reconciling simply means he's given us the task of restoring the value that God originally had in their lives. Back to them. And how do we do that? We do that by accepting the task. He's given it to us to reconcile people, to restore people. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, we love this passage. This is why, this is why we, most of us come to church to be served. I want you to hear this. We come to church. And I, as, you, as you listen to me, I, 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 don't, I don't miss my words very much. I blame most of this on the pulpit Because pastors do not challenge people. Pastors do not allow God to use their lives to convince people. Therefore, they do not proclaim the whole gospel. The whole counsel of God. And the whole counsel of God is when you get saved, God says you got a job to do. The reason that most pastors and churches don't teach those things It's because it makes people leave. I don't come to church to serve. I come to church to be served. Can you give me chapter and verse on that? Remember, we're supposed to have a relationship with God. So look what it says here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He gave these gifts to the church. See, I told you it was your job. But look what he said my job is. My job, my responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. My job is to get you to do your job. Oh, I love that part. Come on, John, shout amen. My job is to get you to do your job. And if the pulpit isn't doing that job, they're failing you and God's kingdom. Because it's when you do your job that the church is built up, which is the body of Christ. According to Luke chapter 19, we have been given the same purpose on this earth that Jesus had when he walked. 
And you know what that purpose is? To seek and to save the lost. To serve and not be served as, as Lucinda so eloquently brought out this morning. See, God's desire is to make us like Jesus. His every intention is to help us to become like Jesus, according to Romans 8, 29. There is no mistake that when we look at Jesus, we see a servant. We see one who had purpose. And that purpose was to fulfill God's will in building his kingdom. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? And told his, his disciples to do the same thing. He said, wash their feet. Serve people in all manner of ways. And he told us to do the same. It's in your, it's in your notes at John 13 and Philippians 2. So let me ask you a question. If Jesus was and is all about serving, <coughs> and God's desire is to make us like him, then I think it's pretty obvious that God wants us to understand our life is all about serving. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? I was going to have to have you play that three or four times on the podcast, Bob, because it didn't come across right. Am I making sense, ladies and gentlemen? See, there are too many who believe, and I want you to hear this, that they do too much already, or they have too little to give. Yet throughout Scripture, it is understood that all service to God is a matter of heart, not a matter of head. It's not a matter of our abilities or our talents and gifts. I, I read about a man by the name of Wanamaker. He was the progenitor, if you will, of, of the department stores that we have today. He was the guy that, that came up with the concept of building department stores. And it has is, it is just flourished uh, across the world. Okay? And, and Mr. Wanamaker, thank you. Mr. Wanamaker was asked one day, how in the world... Listen, listen to this. How do you get time to run the Sunday school with 4,000 students and keep up your business, your stores? And he was also the postmaster general of America at the time. And all of your other obligations. Seems like a fair question, doesn't it? Look at one of Meyer's, or one of Maker's response was. Instantly, John Wanamaker replied, why? Sunday school. That's my business. All the other things? 45 years ago, I decided that God's promise was sure. If I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all the rest will be taken care of. How many ever went to a department store today? Folks, this was over 100 years ago. This was 100 years ago that John Wanamaker did this. How many think God took care of all the rest? See, we get so caught up in it backwards. And this is the enemy's strategy. His whole objective is to hinder the church. How does he hinder the church? He makes it about us and not about the call of God on our life in building his kingdom. Remember, that was Satan's whole strategy in the wilderness. Let's go back to it. Luke chapter 4, verse 5 through 8. The devil said, I'll give you all of this if you'll just serve me. If you'll just worship me, I'll give all of this to you. What is he telling you? What is he telling me? It's all about you. It's all about me. Genuine service is about love. It's not about duty. We do not, we, we, we do not do what we do because we have to do it. We do what we do because we want to do it for the one who first did it for us. That's why we do what we do. First John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. Can I hear you say amen? See, ladies and gentlemen, 
we have this mindset that, that is some kind of obligation or duty, but it's not. It's about the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts. It is about becoming what he desires. You see, serving God in ministry should be the natural outgrowth of a love-filled response to him who first loved us. Let me give you the perfect example in Scripture. The perfect example, the greatest example of the love that I'm talking about is the servant apostle Paul. Remember Paul? And before he got saved, he was going all over the world killing the known world, killing believers. The whole time he thought he was serving God. But what happened the moment he got saved? He immediately gave his life to service. He said, I was going through the motions. I thought I was doing God what I'm supposed to do. But he got saved and he immediately started serving God. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look what it says. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Please, underline this. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. You mean if I'm not faithful, I won't be in the ministry? That's what it kind of reads to me. Although I was a former blasphemer, you think you were bad? Look at Paul. I was a former blasphemer, persecutor. I was an insolent man. And those were the good ingredients of Paul. But he said, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant and the faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. So quickly this morning, what does the Lord expect of you and I? You say, Pastor, if I didn't get it already, I'm not going to get it now. But I just wanted to make it simple. What does the Lord expect? Well, I think very simply in light of what he's done for us, the least he expects is that we do the same for him. He gave his life. He really expects no less. No, that doesn't mean you have to move off to some place. You have to sell everything. You got to leave everything. I'm not talking about that, folks. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your day in, day out dedication of your life. It's not an obligation to go to church and serve. It is a privilege to go to church and serve. Let me take you to Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. And I don't know if I underlined this in your notes. Did I? Put a circle around it. Because it says, which is your reasonable service? Another translation says, it is your least act of worship. It's the least you could do. Present your bodies a, whole, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And then he tells us how to do it. He tells us what to do, but then he tells us how. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you not to think of himself more highly than he thought, than he ought. What's he saying? Don't think it's about you. Don't think it's about your struggles or about your job or about your career or about your abilities. But he said, keep everything in perspective. That's what he says. Keep sober. Be sober. As God has dealt to each one of us the measure of faith. What is he saying? I give you all the ability to do what I called you to do. And then he breaks it down. We have many members in one body. They all don't do the same thing. They all have functions. They all don't do the same function. So we, being many in the body of Christ, are still one body, but we have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. Look what it says here. Let us use them. 
Let us use them. Oh, Pastor, I don't, I don't have much to offer. Well, I, I, I read a story that, uh, that Winston Churchill shared. During World War II, England needed an increase in the production of coal. They had people signing up for the, for the military. They had people signing up for the front lines. They had people, but they had to keep all this stuff functioning. So he went to the labor leaders' uh, union to enlist their support. And at the end of his presentation to the labor leaders' union, he asked them to picture in their minds the great parade because he knew there would be a great parade at Piccadilly Square when all of this was over. And he said, listen to this. He said, first the sailors are going to come in because they're the ones that kept the vital, the vital sea lanes open. And then he said, then are going to come in the soldiers who went from Dunkirk all the way to defeat Rommel in Africa. Then the pilots are going to come in because they're the ones that, driv- that, that, that drove the Luftwaffe out of the skies. But he said, listen to this. Last of all, last of all, would come a long line of sweat-stained, soot-streaked men in miners' caps. And someone is going to cry from the crowd, where were you during the critical days of struggle? And from 10,000 throats will come the answer. We were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal to keep the power to the ships, the fuel to the planes, and the warmth to the troops. Ladies and gentlemen, not all jobs in the church are prominent and glamorous. Matter of fact, most of them are not. But it is always the people with their faces to the coal that cause the church to be able to do what God called the church to do. Can somebody say amen? God has given his gifts to all of us. And he desires that we all put them to work. God isn't taking them back. Every single one of you, before you ever became a Christian, God gifted you. I remember when I first got saved. I, I've shared a bit of the story, but they, I was interviewed at why I would walk away from a promising career for church. And I made a statement in that interview, and I said, I believe everyone has a gift given them from God. Whether they find it or not, find it out or not, is up to them to seek God. And I found the gifts. I found the service that God placed in my life. And God said, I'm not taking it back. I'm going to hold you accountable to it. Romans eleven twenty nine said God's gifts and callings. He doesn't take them back. Each of us have been given gifts. Every single one of you in this room have been given gifts. The gifts weren't given for you. They were given for him to build his kingdom. Second Corinthians 5, 18, remember it again? He's given us the task of reconciling or restoring value to people. You see, ladies and gentlemen, once Paul became aware of God's love and grace that had been given to him, his response was immediate. I'm going to serve God. I'm just going to do what God called me to do. So the question that I asked this morning, why do we serve? The better question is why don't we serve? In light of all he's done, we should want to serve because that's the need that he placed in each one of us. Because it's by us serving. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, how will they know unless somebody tells them? 2 Corinthians 9, 13 says, as a result of your ministry, they, as a result of your serving, as a result of your worship, as a result of your giving, look what it says there, they will give glory to God. 
Hebrews chapter 6 says it this way, for God is not unjust. He'll never forget how hard you worked for him. He'll never forget how you showed your love to him. How? By caring for the others. He'll never forget. As the worship team comes this morning, why would we want to give? Why would we want to serve? Because he served. We give as he has given. We love as he has loved. We do as he has done. The more we understand what he has given, how he has loved, and what he has done, what else do we do? Sign me up. You had Lucinda up here a moment ago. We had Savannah and, and, and uh, Carol last week. We got Carlos out here. Leads the, the ushers ministry. We got men's ministry. We got women's ministry. There's so many different things that God wants to do. We have people up here worshiping. And we got people in the congregation that can sing. There's some that think they can, and there's some that can. Come. Talk to this guy back here. I know he looks scary. But come talk to him. Or say, what do I got to do? You have to audition. Folks, don't get me wrong, please. Anybody can sing, but only certain can sing up here. The rest have to sing out there. And it's hard to look at it that way, but it is what it is. Musicians. I've had people say, Pastor, I play guitar, but I'm never going to try for the worship team because I can't play guitar like you. Folks, I've been playing guitar for 50 years. Okay, There's so many things that we can do. It, it may be this or that. But come see Carlos. Stand up, Carlos, would you? Come see Lucinda. Stand up, Lucinda. Is Savannah in here? Is Savannah? She's back there. Who's here? Carol. Carol, stand up, Carol. Come on. Come, come see. Come see. I'm Heather. Her. Uh, Heather. Come see Marissa. Is Marissa in here? Children's minute. Stand up, to Heather. Uh, Marissa. I'm going to forget people. Come see them. Say, I, I don't know what I can do. Mike. Mike back there with the youth. You say, well, Pastor, I, I don't... I, I don't know what, what I can do. You're in great company. None of the rest of us did when we started. Well, I don't, I don't have much. Okay, then you work right into the, the ingredients of the weak things, the foolish things, the base things, the despised things, the things that nobody thinks are important. Jack, yes, yeah, stand up, Jack. Yes, stand up, please. Come on, please, please, Jack, stand up. We've got our, every time that it snows, every time that it snows, his team is supposed to meet here. And one of the struggles that he said, Pastor, I go, but they don't show. And then they'll tell him, say, well, you know, I, uh, I didn't know. Did it snow? Yeah, what's the guy on TV or the, the comedian guy? Here's your sign. Did it stop? Did it snow? Yes. Folks, the reality today, none of us are looking for glory. None of us are looking for recognition. But we are looking to honor the Lord. We love because he first loved. And the more we are aware 
and experience God's love, the more you'll be motivated to serve. So before you leave today, I encourage you, see one of these people. Back in the back. Victor, stand up there, would you? Victor runs our, our uh, sound crew. We need to train more people for the sound ministry. Bob, stand up back there, would you? See Bob back there? Bob runs the media. And I know people who say, well, Pastor, I see Victor there all the time. I see Bob there all the time. Yeah, they tell me we're here all the time. We need more people to serve, more people to get involved. I encourage you. I implore you, I beg of you to present your body a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. All of us. I just don't have time. You say, Pastor, you're going to make me feel bad, aren't you? Oh, you bet I am. Aren't you glad Jesus took the time? Well, that's not fair. Really? Isn't it? He could have just let you burn in hell. My pastor, now you're making me feel bad. Praise the Lord. God wants us. Why should I want to? I can say it in one word. Jesus. Father, thank you for today. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here. Just for a moment. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. But everything I've said today has challenged you. I encourage you today to get to know Jesus. You can come to this altar right now and I'll pray with you. We'll have somebody meet you right where you are. That by God's grace will help you to get where you need to go. If that's you in the place, come quickly. Father, today, (coughs) thank you for the privilege that we have to serve. Thank you for the privilege we have to give, to worship. God, to be everything you called us to be. Father, we thank you this morning. Why should we want to? Jesus. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.